How is everyone doing? It's November. Halloween was last week, Bonfire Night is now, today, and I'm from Lewis where Bonfire Night is huge and probably the most favourite day of my year. I hope you're all having a good time resting and relaxing into the nesting period where things get darker and it rains a lot more. I wonder how you're experiencing home life. I wonder how life is feeling. Now I'm sending love and encouragement out to all of you um, to look after yourselves. And I think part of how I look after myself is by trying new things and this is what this show is all about. I'm really excited about the guests I've got this week. I've been collecting stories and finding all sorts of people who are experiencing life and enjoying their lives in different ways. So um, I'm really excited about the interviews we've got for the show. And if you think you've got a story, definitely get in contact. Just message me on Instagram. That's Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. And that's Billy with an IE and an Elliot with one L and one T. You can message us on Instagram or if you haven't got Instagram, you can go on the Radio Reverb FM website and send us a message through our show page. So whether that's you or someone you know who's trying something different, something new, and you think it would be a great story for Billy Elliot's Adventure Club, now, we've been getting some great letters in from the challenge of last show to write self-compassionate letters of the heart. And it's been really great to read them, so I'm really grateful for all those who have sent some in. Thank you so much. We're going to read a few in the show, which is going to be lovely. And we've got this first one by somebody who wishes to remain anonymous. Dear Anon, I know you better than anyone. You are my greatest lover and my most destructive enemy. How many lessons you have struggled through, some real treasures. Thank you for showing up and still being here, even though there's times you wanted to give up on this life. I'm proud of you and I'm excited for your life ahead. Now go spread the seeds of these lessons for all to enjoy. Struggle on, ride the waves and laugh some more. All my love and gratitude, the one who knows you best. That's just a lovely letter. I think it really reminds me of how much we know ourselves. So that was, that's really cool. Now we're going to be interviewing Kate from Naked Kate on Instagram. Now Kate has an amazing project where she is helping people to accept their bodies and fully embrace even just body acceptance time. Her business takes photos of her and her friends naked in nature and it's all about connecting to the environment around us. It was lovely to chat to Kate and I really enjoyed embracing a whole new level of adventure with her message. I'm so, so excited to have Kate on Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. Um, Something that I was really excited about when Kate said yes was the fact that we're going to be talking about her awesome journey from being the everyday Kate gal um, to becoming somebody who is super liberated and takes photos of herself naked in nature, having loads of fun. So welcome, Kate, to the show. Hi, thank you. Kate, I'm really excited to like learn more about your your whole experience. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? So... I mean, I think it was serendipity. I was in New Zealand for a couple of years, enjoying the wonderful nature. And I I had like this crazy meeting with the author of the guidebook that I was using there. And he introduced me to his way of traveling where he goes hunting for places to go skinny dipping. And we ended up collaborating to write a book about skinny dipping in New Zealand. I was someone that would go for a skinny dip when I had an opportunity but it wasn't like 
you know, my hobby or a big part of my life. And then I ended up working with him and it just became, it became my life. I just realised like how much power there is in going to these places and being naked in nature. And yeah, it went from something that I would do just now and then, you know, not very often, maybe like once a year, I'd find somewhere where I could go skinny dipping and be like, oh great, I'll do that. To then, like now it's what I seek out and I realise that it's just given me like a whole new outlook on life. It's just become like everything to me and I've realised how much power there is in it. (laughs) How would you describe that new outlook? Um, I feel like powerful. I feel like I can do whatever I want to do and there's not anything to hold me back. Whereas I used to be very self-conscious about how I looked and like I had some confidence but not not like a lot of body confidence and I didn't really believe that you know I was beautiful and people would would think that of me and it held me back you know it made me not believe in myself in other ways and now I just couldn't care less now I've realized that it doesn't matter what I look like and so I don't let it hold me back yeah it's given me I don't know how to describe it. It's not exactly body confidence. It's just giving me confidence because it's not that now I believe, oh, my body's beautiful, so I'm great. It's now that I don't care. I don't let it hold me back anymore. The thought of, oh no, I'm not. I'm not pretty. I'm not. I'm not good enough for that. Now I'm like, so what? This is how I am, and I can do what I want. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's kind of something comes to mind. Body neutrality. Do you know that? Expression? Oh no, I don't. So it's it's like. There's this whole thing about body positivity, which has obviously mm-hmm. got really, it's really well-meaning and it's got good intentions, but it's kind of pushing this message that we've got to feel really great about our bodies all the time. And that's quite a lot of pressure for a lot of people. Mm. And so there's this whole new concept of body neutrality, which I think I got from Jimmy the Jamil mm. and her I Weigh podcasts. It's just about basically not feeling positive or negative towards body, but just accepting mm. there's a body, we've yes. got a body and we can do things with our body and our body is active and our body is yeah. capable you know, in whatever way it is. Yeah, so much of it's about acceptance, accepting as it is and not letting that be a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, that's how it is, so I'm going to get on with my life. Yeah, I think it's a really strong message because it's not pushing anything in particular in terms of having some kind of ideal idea about Mm -hmm. ourselves but but Mm -hmm. more just accept exactly acceptance it's been really amazing to see these beautiful photos of you and like your friends and stuff in the most amazing places in New Zealand so we've had to pause the book that we were making in New Zealand because of Covid hopefully in the future it will um, but, but look, not... look out definitely for anyone who's listening look out for the for the future of New yes. Nude Zealand New Zealand, Zealand yes <laughs> that's such a brilliant title for a book <laughs> yeah. yeah I love it I can't take credit for the title that was mm. Scott <laughs> mm. hearing your like story so far it feels like you kind of went to New Zealand and then just found this whole new energy in yourself where you felt mm. capable that you felt like you could do anything you said yeah I'm me now totally and I'm not afraid to be me whereas you know a lot of the time people they don't think they're good enough to show their full themselves and you think oh god if I show it all and try and go for it then what if I fail or what if people think I'm stupid but I feel like I can just be me now and show it so much of this has come from finding that connection to nature from being in those amazing places and being naked in those places I've realized that I'm part of it all part of nature and that has been such a a big thing for me for the acceptance of how I am you know rather than thinking oh god I need to be skinnier or I need to be this or that I've realized oh I'm just like a bit of nature so how I am is okay because I was made by nature so then that's just giving me this acceptance of myself it's thanks to being out in nature like that's the catalyst 
for me. If I'd just been naked in my garden, it wouldn't have been the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally hear that. Um, um, I did a podcast a while ago about biophilia. Um, sorry, mm. I've got a little bit of a weird cough. Um, it's not corona. Um, <laughs> not that you'd be able to catch it anyway. Um, <laughs> the panic around. It's going to get through the Whenever headphones. I can't, people look at me like... Yeah. <laughs> oh, 2020. Um, but yeah, oh, man. Um, I, did, I did, yeah. <laughs> I did a podcast about biophilia with a doctor, an NHS doctor, who um, whose medicine cabinet basically is just like foraged forage plants um mm. and she's a she's a really high up in the nhs world she works in hospitals as a medical registrar uh, and she also lives in a van for many years but especially this year she's um been learning about biophilia do you know are you familiar with the word at all or? um yeah but i don't know much about it it's just about having a love for life mm. which is basically what you're describing kind of realizing that we are part of it and not mm. separate from nature mm. um we can kind of like tap into this kind of intuitive part of us that is really connected. In doing that, we're solving a lot of our issues and our problems. And yeah. And we need to maybe try less um, in terms of like making solutions for things and actually just step into what's already naturally happening in our yeah, environment. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, Realising you're part of the bigger picture. Yeah. And you're part of this yeah, whole exactly. thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. and you know the solution to so many of our, for example, ecological issues right now is already there. Trees and right, plants yeah, and, no, you know it's already all there. The solution's there. It's just yeah, we just need to just get planting basically. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I love what you said though about connecting with nature and how that's really influenced your mm. um, acceptance of yourself. And mm. um, I think that's really, really awesome. Thanks. We've got to close up quite soon. It's gone so quickly. But I wanted to ask you if you were to advise the audience on, on what the next smallest step would be for them, maybe to have a bit more adventure in their lives or experience mm. yeah, pushing their boundaries a little bit or like trying something new. What would you say? What would be the next smallest step? I think that, yeah, skinny, I mean, skinny dipping has changed my life. And it is something that if you're near some water and, you know, a lot of people listening to this will be in Brighton and near the sea if you can access the water regularly then it's something you can do you know every day if you wanted to and it gives you a bit of adventure in your day it pushes your boundaries a little bit it connects you to nature it gets you away from whatever's stressing you out in life and it takes you away and gives you a little moment to yourself and a little moment with nature um so if you can find a place to go I would say get in the water and get your swimsuit off and it's so liberating that it just gives you like such a boost for the rest of the day amazing i really love that um and that kind of goes quite quite smoothly into um the challenge so um i also ask our guests to set a challenge for me and anyone in the audience that wants to join in um so go for a skinny dip so you gotta go for a skinny dip you gotta take a photo but if you don't want to be in it that's totally cool just take a photo of the water or of your foot or of the sky or something and send it to me so i can see where you've been and that you've done it great and how would they send that to you then kate um so i'm on instagram it's naked underscore kate um so yeah get in touch on there yeah i love to see other people going out and doing it and i don't want to you know with my instagram i don't want to just show off where I've been I want to encourage people to go and do it themselves and have that fun yeah totally it's so cool so cool kind of building a community right yeah 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 amazing all right well we're gonna wrap up but um, just so you 
just so you know, I'm going to say goodbye, but don't actually leave because we're okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's like always an awkward thing. I, I say bye, and I'm like, oh god, I hope they don't actually press finish recording. Like, <laughs> or like leave. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> um, thank you so much for um, yeah, like letting us into your world a little bit, Kate. I'm so excited to see your progression back in England and see how, what, what happens next. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what I can find in England and who I can encourage to come and join me. So, yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. No worries. All right, bye. Bye-bye. At the edge of the River Ada, adjacent to the British town of Shoreham-on-Sea in Sussex, is a village of about 50 crazy-looking houseboats. Seven of these boats are the creation of local genius Hamish Mackenzie, who started the community. Hamish Mackenzie is an incredible boat builder who builds these amazing, amazing houseboats that are beautifully decorated and look like something from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or some kind of Gaudi sculpture. And this guy is an incredible guy, really, because he's been making boats since the 80s, creating such a beautiful community. If you want to see some more pictures of the houseboats, you can check out our Instagram page, Billy Elliot's Adventure Club, as we speak to Hamish McKenzie. This is the first interview I've had with somebody who's living really differently, and his interpretation of adventure is in going against the grain and questioning our propensity to build houses. He has some really good things to say about the potential future of rivers and what he describes as deadland. So sit back, relax, and welcome Hamish McKenzie. Ninety-seven point two FM. Radio Reverb. Hi, Hamish. Hello, Billy. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good. Good. Thank you for saying yes today. That's awesome. Hamish, take it away. Talk to me about your boat. Hello, Billy. Um, boat yourself, well, I moved onto these boats in 1986 when uh, the place was slightly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could buy boats for pennies in, or not pennies in. The, the price was in the thousands, and it's, it's uh, now in the hundreds of thousands, so it's... In that respect, it's changed down here a bit. We are, we're very fortunate down here, and we own the mud we, that the boats sit on. All oh, right. So that gives us great freedom to um, all the liverboard boats in the country are either on canals where you do, where you get moved on every ever so often, or they're on marinas where you you are beholden to the marina owners for your rules and regulations as we own our mud mm-hmm. we uh we don't have those rules and regulations because with boats we don't have planning permission or building regulations to comply with and this uh gives you great freedom to design and build pretty much whatever you are capable of doing your limitations or your abilities if that makes sense yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because your boat, I've seen pictures of your boat and it looks like something that could have come from like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or something. You know, like amazing, colourful, brilliant, like wonderful, fantastic looking thing. Yeah, well, I've, I've always, the, uh, it's 
predominantly guided, my design's guided by reusing old materials because I've I've never been particularly interested in chasing money for the sake of it. I'd work as a carpenter. In the early days, I'd work as a carpenter for other people until I'd saved up a, a thousand pounds or so and then just mm-hmm. spend the next few weeks working my way through that thousand pounds till I run out of money. Then I'd go and work again for somebody mm-hmm. Amazing, yeah. And, and what kind of, did you have like a vision in mind when you were building your boat or did you just add things as you went and it became what it is today? Well, you start off with a basic idea. Well, the, uh, the, hull, the hull you're placing the top decks on is, is, your, is your basic design feature. So it's, all, it's very much like doing a jigsaw puzzle. You're finding things that fit into spaces how would you describe your boat in terms of if if someone was if you were describing it to someone who hadn't seen it before? So Verda, which is the one, uh, Verda was my millennium project. I, I came out of uh, Northbrook Arc three uh, D course. I don't think they run it anymore. I thought it was great course in the days, but I, mm-hmm. I went to Northbrook College in Durrington for three years, and uh, they made me artist from residence, which is very kind of them. Uh, oh, cool. So I could go and use their workshops. 2000 I came uh, I came out of art college and with a friend of mine Cy Wilmer who was on the course as well we got hold of the Verda which is uh, 1929 Gosport uh, Portsmouth Ferry the old hull she's got 18 sisters I believe so wow she was built in 1929 I think the last one was built in 1962 so it did that short crossing uh, from Gosport to to Portsmouth, I think it takes literally about a minute or two minutes, and must have carried millions of people in during the course of its working career. Wow! So these boats come with a lot of history, and I, I'm very interested in my, in keeping them going, and uh, keeping the essence of what they were. I think of what I do as a boat renovation rather than boat restoration. I didn't want to restore a mm-hmm as an ongoing ferry because I don't need to ferry people who well, I do need to live on her. So well, she's got living accommodation below decks and then we have a sort of flexible space above decks, which uh, we've had various, we've been running events in ever since 2001, like art shows in the summer months. I think I was on first, first boat residence to uh, do the Shoreham open house as part of the uh, Ada Festival back in 2001, mm-hmm. I think. So you said that you, you have live-in residence, so do you kind of let out spaces to live in the boat? I've got, so at the moment, we're, it's just my wife, Sarah, and myself living on Verda. But uh, mm-hmm. we're moving back, um, come next month, we're moving back on my first boat, which is Venture, which is an old uh, World War II motor torpedo boat. Wow. Uh, the, these boats are both about the 70 foot mark if that makes sense to you so wow she wa- was falling apart and taking on far too much water mm. so mm. so that's uh we we had to go in there and do lots of structural work it's not all doing the arty farty stuff much as i enjoy that the main thing yeah. boats is keeping them floating so interesting so so you've said that you've been sort of living on boats for a long time now since the 80s is that right yeah what is it about boat life that well, the, the initial thing was that I was a carpenter and I was moving on. Well, the venture was a wooden boat. <laughs> and so you build mm-hmm. the work yourself. And I was, 
soon found out the challenges of living of uh, boats they they don't have that many square square edges unlike a a house where you get you get box well the rooms are shaped like boxes literally and a boat they're not shaped like boxes and you go on the front end of a boat and you've just got these wonderful curves all over the place and it's a it makes for challenging and rewarding carpentry work. Yeah. I think that's where I got hooked in. And you stayed, you've stayed obviously, so it's obviously kept you going. Yeah. For a long time. I've branched out the carpentry and I, now, uh, I've branched into various materials, which should, was, I think, I owe a great debt to Northbrook HND 3D course I did for the, for, I, mean, I thought, thought the tutors were good. The technicians were marvellous. They, uh, and we have three, Mature students, we had free runs to the workshops. I learnt so much there. Broadened my skills out to uh, include many other materials. So I can work mm. in most materials now. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. With your, um, you used to have uh, art um, exhibitions and things happening at the top of the boat, Verda. Yeah. Did you, how did, is that something that you can find like online or was that just a word of mouth type oh, thing? They haven't run it for a couple of years for one thing and another. It was run by the Ada Art Collective. I'm pretty sure they're still in, in existence and I'm, I'm sure we'll get back to opening again as soon as possible. I was also doing Christmas mm. uh, fairs, which so I'd get along uh, 10 artists or something like that and each would have a table and... Uh, and we'd invite the public into that. It was quite a successful and very enjoyable way to do your Christmas shopping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something so magical about boat life. I actually looked um, I looked around a boat a couple of months ago to move into, but I didn't take it because I couldn't stand up in it, and I thought that was quite oh, important. Yeah, you're probably right um, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was really amazing, and it was really lovely to see the community and like get to know that kind of, a little bit about how it works to live on the boat but it's quite an alternative life especially in the winter like it's quite it's quite a push sometimes isn't it like I guess because you say yours is 70 foot so it's quite comfortable um but it's quite an adventure to be living on Absolutely. a boat really oh, yeah, I think they're wonderful things and um I think personally I think they're the way forward really we, we, we seem to be a culture that's investing in building very carbon inefficient houses on floodplains, which which are going to sink, well, they're, they're going to be inundated. And it all seems rather bizarre to me that we build these uh, massive, great carbon sink houses. If you could have your way, would, you, would we all be on the boats in the sea and just living in the marine life? I, I think there's, there's avenues for uh, having a lot more people living on on the Ada than there are at the moment. Not not where we are, because I think we we're on an RSPB reserve, and it's got there's quite a lot of us here already. But there's a there's a ecological relative ecological desert up river, which is just man, um, very heavily managed floodplains, which are designed to, to protect the fields behind them when those fields are no, no longer going to be viable when we get the sea level rises. So I see opportunities mm. for opening marinas up river yeah. for boats to go and uh, wildlife reserves mm -hmm. and what have you. And just looking to the future and being aware that the what are protected floodplains at the moment will, whether we like it or not, become flood uh, proper floodplains in the oncoming years with... Uh, 
sea level rises. Mm. Yeah, I totally hear that. What's the best thing? What do you think the best thing about um, living on a boat is? I mean, you've said the carpentry, but is there anything else? I, I always have trouble with best things. The best thing is, uh, I mean, I've, I've never never had a favourite colour or anything like that. It's just a palette. Uh, so I, I I really do struggle with it. I love living on boats. Simple, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keeping them floating in one way it's a hell of a challenge, and you can say that's the worst thing because I spend half my life in bilges. Uh, it's trying to stop them stop them from sinking. But perversely, one one of the best things you can do if you can stop these boats sinking and make them viable, then uh, you've cracked another way to live and. So what what is one of the annoying things about the boats becomes one of the really positive things. You ever have sort of scares in the middle of the night where you think, oh, my God, it's sinking? Yeah, we've all had it. I, especially I've, I've had boats sink on me before. I've had tenants of mine and they're, and the boat that I own sinking on me and having to go through the pain of uh, being responsible for these people's lives, for these Aww. people. Oh, it's yeah. quite demanding. It can be very demanding in that respect. Yeah, totally. So, if you if if you were talking to someone who was quite interested in boat life or just living an alternative life, because I mean, even though you obviously I can hear that you think it's the way forward and everyone should be living in boats, it's still a minority, isn't it? I wonder, like, what would you say? What would the next smallest step be that you'd you'd advise someone um, take to try and live differently or um, yeah. it's a case of getting people who are willing to take the risk, I think. And I think there's there's ways of building floating boats which are pretty much off-grid. So you're looking at boats where you're collecting the rainwater you're, uh, and putting that in tanks, um, collecting all your wastewater and putting that in tanks and reusing it, um, collecting mm-hmm. uh, a boat that would have be covered in solar panels so you, you and then working out ways you can take this boat and live off grid without a more without an official mooring so you've and down already mm. oh, i mean i live on i live on the ada and yeah it's it's pretty much we do if you imagine that um a few hundred years ago, that that river would have been teeming with traffic. It would have been used by people as a transport network. We don't really use our rivers at all now, which, apart from just as a drainage yeah. canal. And I think they could be so yeah. much more. So, yeah, I see that it, uh, as an avenue for building building your own boats or renovating, you know, renovating boats that have passed their sell-by dates and going and living on the river, I think it's a viable option and possibly a very cheap option for people to step out of this curious thing where you spend such a high percentage of your income on somewhere to live. Mm. Epic. That's so cool to hear. Oh, thank you so much, Hamish. I think that's all we've got time for today. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, Hamish, have a really great day. Um, And thanks for talking. I'm excited to come and see your boat sometime <laughs> don't all do it at once we, we've got a very narrow towpath <laughs> no just it'll just be me i haven't told anyone where you are <laughs> thank you so much hamish that was really interesting I, I i was so fascinated by your connection with the history actually it sounds like you know loads about the area 
Sure, I mean, Shoreham is now this little tin pot place between the tourist centres of Brighton and Worthing. But in its day, I mean, a few Mm -hmm. hundred years ago, it was much bigger than Brighton and Worthing. All right, thank you so much. Bye. Okay, bye. What I really loved about Hamish McKenzie was he had this drive to make these amazing creative projects that look so out of this world but at the same time he's so incredibly down to earth it made me really think about the potential of all our land space that's not being used for living in our in our society and area it's really inspired me actually to look into alternative ways of living um i don't think you have to choose between alternative lifestyles and home comforts i think you can have both personally but what a great interview that was What would you miss most if you lived on a boat? I'd love to know. Get your cuppa ready. It's time for some good news. Billy's good news. Cha-cha-cha. Billy's good news. Cha-cha-cha. We've got some really exciting news today. Let's start off with 14-year-old Anika Shabrolu, who has discovered a potential treatment for COVID-19, winning a 25 grand prize. Chabrolu has astonished the judges with her findings to help create a drug that would potentially stop the function of the virus protein. Firstly, only 25 grand. I think that's really low for potentially saving the world. Um, She told a local news station in her hometown of Frisco in Texas that she had developed a molecule that could bind a certain protein on the virus and by binding it, it will stop the function of the protein. Shabrolu started out working towards finding different ways to help fight off the seasonal flu virus, but with the pandemic, she shifted in a different direction. She explained to a station that she started with a database of over 698 million compounds to help her develop the molecule. She's only 14. Bloody hell. Anika also says that her grandfather, a former chemistry professor, was the person who pushed her into pursuing science when she was young. My grandpa, she says, when I was younger, he always used to push me towards science. He was actually a chemistry professor and he always used to tell me to learn the periodic table of the elements and learn all of these things about science. And over time, I just grew to love it. Why isn't everyone screaming this story from the rooftops? A 14-year-old girl has basically saved the world. Why are we not hearing about it? I'm so interested to know more. Another very exciting story. Tasmanian devils are being reintroduced to the wild for the first time in 3,000 years. Tasmanian devils have been reintroduced to a large sanctuary in mainland Australia. Their existence was believed to be diminished completely on the mainland by the dingoes. And while they are still living on the island of Tasmania, numbers have been on the decline for over 20 years. While they've been released into a monitored facility, they have not been given any sort of assistance such as food, water or shelter. Aussie Ark hopes to release more of them, their goal being another 40 within the next two years. As they monitor the group of these animals, they will determine when is the right time to release them into unfenced areas, as that is obviously the ultimate goal. According to the BBC, Tasmanian devils do not pose any harm or threat to the humans, despite the cartoon in which, bloody hell, that Tasmanian devil in Warner Brothers, I think it was, the kids' cartoon... He was an absolute nightmare, wasn't he? The decline of the number of Tasmanian devils in the world came in the 1990s when the species developed a mouth cancer, Hmm. tanking the number of animals to about 25,000 that are estimated to be in the world today. 
So that's so exciting. Hooray for Tasmanian devils, who are not devils at all, but probably little furry angels. <laughs> oh, exciting. Robotic dolphins of the future. Designer and special effects experts Roger Holzberg and Walt Conti have built a dolphin that is so realistic, it's almost impossible to tell. I actually looked at pictures of this and it is true. It's almost impossible to tell. This is a huge breakthrough in animal protection and a brilliant solution where robots are ethical and cost-effective alternatives to marine captivity. The best part about swimming with a robotic dolphin is that it never gives you the cold shoulder, says Roger Holzberg. Holzberg is part of the team that produced and developed a prototype for a hyper-realistic animatronic dolphin they hope will eventually replace live animals in aquariums and theme parks around the world. Holzberg says the robot closely resembles a real dolphin, both inside and out. The detail goes so far as to actually integrate fat bladders to be sure that the buoyancy and the feel of it when you actually touch it or move with it or bump against it feels like its real-life counterpart. He also said, I've always thought that the way that we preserve our world oceans is to get people to fall in love with them. And my hope and my dream is that children who interact with these dolphins will fall in love with the ocean and the creatures that live with them and will grow up to preserve them. A heartwarming story for you next. Greek athlete helps a disabled woman achieve her dreams of climbing Mount Olympus. Long-distance runner Marius Giannakou helped a disabled college student with her dream of scaling the historic Mount Olympus in Greece last week. The student, 22-year-old biology major Eleutheria Tosu, met Giannakou in September and shared that she had always wanted to climb to the highest point in Greece. For me, all international races, the medals and the distinctions so far mean little to compared to that goal. I thank Eleutheria for giving me the opportunity to become a better person and to remind me of what we all often forget, that we must live life without fear. The duo started their climb on October the 5th, with Giannakos carrying Tosu in a specially modified backpack. An eight-person support crew accompanied them for two days to the top of the 9,573-foot summit. The Greek Prime Minister then called the two to congratulate them on the feat. This is a really awesome story. I just think more and more of this, please. People thinking of how they can help each other achieve their dreams. Uh, It's all about encouraging each other and lifting each other up. That's all the good news we have time for today. Onwards and upwards. So, we've got another submission by a Tamsin from Totnes in Devon, UK. She writes a really lovely down-to-earth letter. Tamsi. Wow. Everything has been so hard recently. I think you're doing really bloody well, actually. Especially watching you in the last couple of days really step up and change your response to life in such a powerful way. I'm impressed. It really gives me hope that actually we could cope with anything to react and change where needed. I'm so proud of you. Please go easy on yourself. In fact, I would like to say I would like to go more easy on you, to support and encourage you even more. And please just know I'm here and always will be, always. So know you're not alone and come here, have a hug, give yourself a pat on the back, you gorgeous thing. I love you so much. Oh, I really like that one. It feels really real and it really feels like it's a forgiveness letter as well, self-compassion. 
And now we have Carrie Pettit, who spent this year walking through every square kilometre of the Brighton and Hove LS Explorer map OL11. So far she has walked 109 squares and she has 455 to go. She posts her progress on Instagram and it's been lovely to watch her experiencing some incredible, incredible landscapes that are just so close to home. I'm excited to be talking with Carrie Petit. Radio Reverb. Making music night and day. 97.2 FM. Today we have Carrie Pettit on the show and I'm really, really excited because she is an adventurer with a challenge. Carrie, how are you doing today? Yeah, really good, thank you. Carrie, would you like to just start off straight away by talking about what your challenge is that you've set yourself? Yeah, of course. So um, it kind of started back in lockdown in May and I was out walking one day, like just a kind of casual Saturday afternoon walk up at Barkham Mills um, with my trusty OS map in hand and had this kind of brainwave about actually maybe I could walk in every bit of this map. Um, And because we were still in the kind of coronavirus peak and we didn't know whether we'd be able to travel anywhere kind of further afield for a while, I was just like, yeah, okay, I'll do that as a challenge and then decided I could probably walk in every single square kilometre that was in the map so there's 564 squares um and Mm. then so by the end of the day just set up an instagram account gave it a name which was doorstep explorer and then basically started the challenge there and then wow you you really reacted to that idea yeah i think i'd um I've been looking for a bit of a challenge for a while and one of the things I wanted to do this year was potentially do a long distance trail like the Southwest Coastal Path or the Pennine Way um, and then obviously circumstances changed and I was like looking for something that would give me that sort of sense of achievement but without having to go too far and it's it's been really good so yeah. Hmm. Do you feel like while you've been walking you've learned anything or about yourself or what what have you learned I guess? Yeah sure so it's made me quite reflective in the sense that um, quite often when I'm out walking, I'm on a bit of a mission. So before I would have like potentially been doing like the South Downs Way or something. And you just kind of walk for miles and miles and miles. And then you're trying to get to a destination at the end of the day. But this project, because of the nature of it, I'm posting each individual square. I'm taking photos of it. So it's basically making my walks a lot more mindful. So I'm having to observe things that normally you probably would just walk on past. So So it's made me a bit of a slower walker, um, which is probably a good thing. Mm, that's such a nice transformation, isn't it? Have you always been an adventurer? Have you always been someone who has taken on challenges like this? Not really. Probably like quite a lot of other people. Adventure used to be a bit of a thing that was reserved for holidays or for long weekends or like just time when I could actually fit it in. Um, and I've always been quite outdoorsy. Like when I was a kid, I went to brownies and guides and I did all the camping stuff and then in my 20s, I did a lot of snowboarding in the winters and in the summers, I'd go camping, but didn't really have like this kind of day to day adventure thing. I've been on like a couple of quite big treks. So I went to Myanmar two, three years ago and walked from Kalor to Inlay Lake. Um, and I went in January to Patagonia and did the Torres del Paine trek in um, Chile, which was amazing. And here it would be more like I'll just go out for a little day hike quite sporadically. So this has kind of given me a commitment to doing things more frequently and seeing just everything that there is nearby so it's kind of opened my eyes actually how many 
places you can visit on our on our doorstep um and seeing new places that I just never would have gone to had I not been doing this project like the tendency to go to the same sort of spots like Ditchling Beacon or Devil's Dyke or go to the beach or what have you now it's like no I've got to go somewhere and I've got to pick somewhere new because I've got to tick off these squares so it sort of forced me to do something a bit more interesting in the local area. Mm, Have you found any kind of secret hidden treasures on your way then? One of my favourites would be Ashcombe Bottom, which is there are so many bottoms actually. If you go, if you go um, mm-hmm. east of Brighton, there's like lots of valleys there, and everything's called Bottom. Um, but there's one called Ashcombe Bottom, which is between Blackcap and Falmer, um, and you can walk there from the University of Sussex. And it's just this beautiful woodland that is just I just would never have stumbled upon it by accident. Um, and took a walk through there one day, and that was amazing. And then my other kind of secret place that everyone's now going to know about is Wollstonebury Hill. You don't have to say, we can, I can cut it out. You say, I want to keep it secret. We no, can do that. it's fine. I think people need to know about it because it's wicked. Um, so it's, um, it's Wollstonebury Hill, um, which is, oh, what's the, Clayton is the nearest kind of place where you can kind of park. There's a pub there, you can leave your car. Um, and basically you get 360 views all around and it's a bit like going to Devil's Dyke, but I would say better. Mm. must be quite nice though as well to get out of the city and like because of this constant reminder of the pandemic and everything with people's masks and all sorts like visual reminders of this whole like big thing that's going on in the world and kind of get a bit of an escape as well because I'm I'm deliberately choosing all the paths that are less traveled I can walk for like an hour and a half and not see anyone um which is beautiful kind of like solitude and quiet um but then like the only people you see are like farmers out and about doing doing their thing um which is just yeah it's nice to kind of get away from get away from it all I guess yeah I guess it kind of encourages this adventurous mindset that we often have when we're traveling but rarely have when we're in our own local area yeah exactly it's that like hang on a minute what can I go and see or like thinking more creatively about what's around and with this project obviously going to the very edges of our map and seeing what's in our area which is cool although I have got a bit weird now about walking off the edge of the map it's like why why, why would you do that <laughs> yeah it's a waste of your time <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like um you know the whole flat earth thing I'm like there's nothing beyond the map I just have to stay on it <laughs> yeah have you stayed in that this map area since the beginning of lockdown or have you popped off I haven't actually been walking anywhere else I have been yeah. out to a couple of other places to see family and stuff but yeah. um so you yeah. know it exists I do know yeah yeah it's all good <laughs> <laughs> I know the world's still out there waiting for me <laughs> <laughs> um so you sort of touched upon it a little bit just before that you kind of have learned a lot about being reflective and more mindful I think yeah that's a massive reason why people do these things they push themselves to try new things and stuff it's because it's about when you learn something new you're basically just like really thinking about what you're doing, aren't you? Mm. And just and I think that that for focuses people. Definitely, definitely. And I think so much of my the rest of my life is like manic busy that then I get to this and I'm like, this is my reason to stop. I think I I struggle with things like actually doing meditation every day or doing like the stuff that like we all know we should do for our mental health and I just never make time for things so when I do the walks and stuff I just get into that space of being a little Mm. bit kind of chill and meditative and literally just being outside in the fresh air has like an instant effect on my well-being and makes me feel amazing so yeah so great so so great did you know that in Scotland they're officially prescribing people outdoor time for people who have lots of different kinds of conditions 
it I didn't know that, but it really doesn't surprise me. It's um it's something I'm really interested in. One of the things I'm doing next, I've signed up to do my lowland leader qualification so that I can take people out for walks. Because something I'm really interested in doing is um on top of the lowland leader doing a coaching qualification so that I can take people out and do coaching sessions with people while walking. Because I think when you walk and talk, you have a whole different perspective and you talk about things that you wouldn't normally talk about. Like, I think coaching quite often, you sit down opposite someone in a cafe or whatever or in a room and you have that vulnerability where you're looking at them straight in the face and it's quite hard sometimes to talk about things. I guess mm. a bit like counselling, um, kind of on the spot. Whereas I find when you walk with someone, especially if it's one-to-one, you're, you don't have to like look at them in the eye and like feel... Like, you have to say certain things, whereas if you're walking next to someone, you can just kind of chat away. And people tend to open up a little bit more or talk more deeply about things that are affecting them. I'm really interested in, like, basically studying for these qualifications and stuff so that I can then maybe turn that into a bit of a business in the future. That's so cool. That's such a cool idea. I love it. Yeah, it's... um. It's my little kind of seed of an idea at the moment. So you've done 109 square kilometres of your 564. Yes. So I've done... I've posted 109 on Instagram. I'm a a bit bad at writing things up straight away, partly because it takes ages, actually, to write up each square and be quite descriptive. Um, So I've done probably about 125, but I'm a little bit behind on posting. But yeah, it's it's been really well received. And I think like lots of people that I've just kind of naturally started following on Instagram have been quite enthusiastic about the project and said it's inspired them to do similar things in their area or just like help to sort of give them a bit of a a boost. I'd, I'd love it to inspire people to do and see more locally and to just appreciate what we've got. I think this year has proven that, like people taking holidays in the UK. So I think um, hopefully, like, yeah, sh- showing other people the routes and sharing those in my highlights and stuff would just mean that it just maybe makes it a bit more accessible for every- everyone. Yeah, awesome. So uh, I guess from from what you've just said there, like, how can people who are listening get in touch and find you on social media? my social handle on instagram is doorstep underscore explorer um and it's all open so you can just kind of click and and follow um and then obviously um if you see anything like local places that you want to visit um i post all of the different um like i post an image of each square on the map when i'm sharing the pictures so you can see what the grid reference is um and then anyone that's got the os 11 um brighton and hove explorer map which is the ordnance survey map um would be able to find any of those places and of course you can message me if you need some information on a route or something people can get in touch if they need a bit more info or want a bit of a confidence boost to get out the door amazing it's so good to meet people who are in a similar place um in like challenging challenging themselves encouraging themselves to be more reflective and um it's it's just so good to have a, a kind of goal and an aim isn't it like a, a wider goal of like of trying to connect more people and encourage them to, to try new things but also your goal of um reaching or going through 564 square miles of Brighton Hove area for me personally this has given me I guess a sense of focus outside of everything that's going on at the moment in the world and I'm not too keen on travelling abroad at the moment I know a lot of people are but I'm kind of like do you know what there's an this has actually reminded me there's quite enough to see here and I can just get on and do that um I think 
being outside in nature and like even if it's a short walk or like it, you don't have to go out for hours just having that time is really good for your physical and mental well-being um mm. there's probably quite a lot of people listening who feel the same that they need some space what would you say to encourage them to try something like this well it's funny because earlier we were talking about alistair humphreys who um we both know a little bit about and he I saw him speak a couple of years ago um, actually at a, a Yes Tribe Yesterval and um, he talked about this thing called the doorstep mile which is basically the first foot out the door and it's the same with like people who go running and like just getting your trainers on getting dressed and getting out the door and then you feel better and I think it's I think it's that like for me it's just getting my waterproofs on on day like today and just going for it like whatever's kind of standing in your way um try to see past that and just get get out the door and then it's easier from there i like what alistair says about when he wants to go on a run he just tells himself he all he needs to do is run to the end of the road and if he doesn't want to carry on running he'll go home yeah and it, it just sort of gets him to go out and then he never ever comes home <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's really good it's all about the first step isn't it yeah and i think it's not putting pressure on yourself to do a certain thing or be a certain way as well i think the adventure community it can be quite privileged and there's a lot of people doing quite a lot of big adventures even though I've done some pretty awesome ones like I've been to Patagonia and stuff I think it can be quite intimidating and you can feel a bit like oh my little thing isn't that impressive or, or good enough and do I have to be like you know doing something amazing or like you know dangerous for people to um, be interested and, and and sometimes it's not even about people being interested sometimes it's about doing it just for you and and for me that's what this project is it was a way for me to have my own thing that gives me a, a sense of achievement and makes me feel good. It keeps you a bit sane as well. So I think mm-hmm. it's that, just not feeling like you have to compare yourself to anyone else. Do do your thing. I totally hear that. It's comparison is the thief of joy, isn't it? That whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially in the venture community where people are going for years and years and doing whatever they want kind of thing. It can be quite hard for some people to relate to and therefore like they kind of put it down as something that's not really for them. Yeah. Um, it's coming to the end of our time. Before we go, I always ask the guest to set a challenge for Ooh. the audience. It can be anything. We've had so far people writing letters of self-compassion. We've had not wasting food. We've had getting in the sea with mad costume on in the rain. So it can be anything that you want that you think would be fun to challenge the audience. They've got a month to complete it. Oh, I think I'm going to have to go for something really obvious related to my project. And that is to open your, even if it's Google Maps and you don't have an OS map or whatever, just open a map, pick somewhere that looks like it might interest you. Like whether it's in the city, whether it's out of the city, wherever, just somewhere you've never been before and go there. Um, do a little walk or whatever. Do what you, do a cycle, do, do your thing basically. Um, but pick somewhere new, go and visit and then maybe share it and uh, hashtag Doorstep Explorer be great to see yeah excellent that's so so awesome have you been on that website i've forgotten what it's called now where they put you in a random place anywhere in the world and you have to guess where you are no oh it's really good i'll send you a link after this <laughs> it's really fun it's like a fun game thing you can sit and it's, it's it's google maps so they put you in like street view somewhere random in the world and they don't tell you where you are and then you can walk around and try and figure out where you are oh that sounds amazing it's really fun. It's really fun. You can play it for as long as you like. It's just a website. You can just do it for as long as you want. <laughs> That's um, my weekend sorted. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one for when it's raining and you feel like exploring. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. 
Oh, amazing. Carrie, it's been so lovely to chat to you. Lovely to talk to you too. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Have a really good weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. What a great interview with Carrie Pettit there. And in case any of you were wondering, I meant the game GeoGuessr on the internet. It's a great game, actually. It just throws you anywhere in the world and you can walk around as much as you like as if you're on Google Maps Street View and you've got to guess where you are. I've loved playing that in my spare time recently. Uh, it's a really good way of feeling like you're going on an adventure. Probably a great thing if you're feeling a little bit sad about not being able to travel during lockdown number two. We've had some really good guests today. We had Kate from Naked Kate, um, Hamish McKenzie, the local legend boat builder of Shoreham, and Carrie Pettit, who has been walking through every square mile of the Bride in the Hove OS map. If there's one thing that I've taken away from today's show, it's that we can have adventures wherever we go, especially in our local area. And a lot of our adventurous experiences are mainly down to having an adventurous perspective and mindset. So I hope that you found some solace and some comfort and some encouragement today in our show on the day one of lockdown number two and as we settle into our autumn period, hunkering down, battening down the hatches and setting ourselves up for a cosy, cosy winter. So thanks to our guests today and thank you for those challenges that they have set us. We have one, which is to get in some water, naked or otherwise, and to send a picture to naked underscore Kate on Instagram. And the other is to choose a place on the map and just go there. It doesn't matter where it is, somewhere new, and the closer the better. Take a photo and send it to doorstep underscore explorer on Instagram as well. You are very, very welcome and encouraged to contact us through our Instagram, which is Billy Elliot's Adventure. Club and that's Billy with an IE, Elliot's with one L and one T Adventure Club. Otherwise, you can find us on the Radio Reverb website. I'm sending you all loads and loads of love as you settle into this next month and the changing schedules and daily structures that we all will be settling into. I hope that you will settle into those well. If you'd like to hear more from me, you can also look up my podcast, which is called Everyone is Interesting on Spotify. We have six episodes out so far, and each one is completely different, interviewing somebody that I've met in an unusual way about a topic of their choice. So there's lots to learn and lots to love about that podcast. And now before I go, I would like to ask you, is there something in your life that you've always wanted to try? Maybe you could get a pen and pencil and write down a few ideas and there'll always be one thing that comes to mind straight away. Is there a way of planning towards it? Is there a way of seeing yourself doing this in the future and taking the necessary steps to get there? What's stopping you? Ask yourselves these questions. See where you go. You never know. You might end up trying something really exciting very, very soon. Have a lovely, cosy November. Sending you all lots of warmth. I hope you enjoyed our very peaceful, calming episode of Billy Elliot's Adventure Club. Welcome to our club. We're all a part of this community together. We've got time for one more letter that was submitted by a Julie Mullen, also from Devon. She writes her self-compassionate letter in a very poetic way. So sit back with your cup of tea and have a listen. Dear Searchlight... You are always looking for loopholes. Forgetting over time, you will be free of slings and arrows. Dear sweet light, 
Before bed tonight, I will kiss your brow, for you are a child, remain a child, will always encompass a child's heart. Dear Daylight, you are bright this day and I want the brightness around you, so if you feel any hurt, you will be blindsided momentarily, so the hurts and pains of words will be anaesthetised, fog-like, frozen out. You are the inner translator of all hurts, the creator of all heavenly backdrops. Let your theatre curtains open with surety. Survey the room as the world will survey you. Dear Nightlight, don't be afraid. It is dark, but inside of you are ideas. They may seem fallow right now in winter's light, but rest assured, my sweet, just one night's rest with proper sleep on feathered pillow will bring to light inescapable plans and actions of the heart. Remember to face your fears, for your face is the genius side of the heart that must remain anonymous. Happy birthday to Julie Mullen, the poet there. And seeing as we're going down a soothing poetic route, let's end things with Mary Oliver's Wild Geese, read by Kit Jones and music by Brighton's very own Gabrielle Balfe. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of rain are moving across the landscape, over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clear blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things.
sister. My dear Reefa, 